Caracol Incarnate presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston. Those kissing sounds are my guest, Mike McBeardo McPadden, kissing his own book, Teen Movie Hell. Uh, but I digress. Caracol Incarnate presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. My guest, Mike McBeardo McPadden, this car we're in, I got it at the Audubon Mazda of Evanston. You know why? Because they're really good. No pressure. They know what they're selling. They know how to get you in the car you need and want. They did just that. I'm in this lovely Mazda 3 with you. And tonight we're eating deep dish pizza from Geno's East. Are we ever? Great yeah. car. Are we ever? It's Car Con Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Car Con Carne. And now here's the star of our show. All right, so Mike McPadden, yeah. we're on Facebook Live as we're recording this. Since we are on Facebook Live, I too have my own copy oh. of Teen Movie Hell. Dueling copies, yeah. Uh, if you want to be more descriptive, it is a crucible of coming-of-age comedies from Animal House to Zapped. And to put this all in context, before we dig into this Gino Supreme, which smells stupid. It smells <laughs> yeah, so good. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, um, those are IQ points because it's so delicious. Very early on in this book, a, a compendium of every teen movie critically uh, just dissected by you, the author. Um, you describe teen movies as porno movies watered down for 13-year-olds. Yeah. I think that says it all. Yeah. Because when no, we were it. kids, when we were in that era of going to the video store, Getting those R-rated movies felt like we were doing something really... You were pulling something off for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. No no pun preemptively intended. And you grew up in the in the heyday of the, the video yeah. store, the, getting the VHS tapes. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of these in the movies, too. I'm 50, so... Um, you don't look a day over 30. Why, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Um, we'll see how that happens after we get through the Geno's East here. Um, <laughs> so, Fast Times at Ridgemont High opened the first Friday I was in high school of my freshman year. Ferris Bueller opened the very day after I graduated, four years later. So and that these are was two movies we should talk about because you love yeah. one and hate the other. Right, right. And but I mean, so that was I, my teen years were these movies, and these movies, I mean, good and bad and largely unknown, all chronicled in here in convenient alphabetical order. Uh, this is perfect for casual reading, uh, which is to say perfect for bathroom reading it very much yes <laughs> I, i'm not saying anything pejorative here i mean this is a great book to just if, you, if you have five minutes praise. to kill yeah. it is the highest praise yeah. open up any page and suddenly you're at oh pink motel from 1982 oh there's a film <laughs> uh, which features virgins a jock a hooker s&m and wacky old people but yes. before we also, dig in specifically the wacky old people are phyllis diller and slim pickens oh, <laughs> i had to get that in there all right so i want to thank our friends at geno's east there, I mean, there are a few restaurants as iconic as Gino's when it comes to Chicago pizza. We've got the box here. We've got the Supreme. Feel how heavy this is, Mike. This is heavier than the both of us. Yeah, it's, it's like really a, something. It's like a dwarf star is in here. Yeah. So we've got deep dish. I, you may need to help me on this. Please. Grab the other side. You got it. Okay. We didn't get plates, did we? Oh no. no. Okay. We're this just will be. Go, we're going. <laughs> this will be an adventure. Oh, sorry, animal. I'm gonna whack you we're in going the face. full animal. All right, I'm going to show this as best I can. Look at that. Oh, you see the steam coming off that? Uh, and oh, we Lord. also got spinach go. cheese sticks. I forgot the exact name of these. Uh, you started munching on these before. Yeah, you... they were awesome. We got two left. All right. It's your spinach. Grab one. I will. Let's go. Let's do it. Cheers. Abundanza. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. Abundanza. 
I love Geno's. And Geno's is right here in the heart of River North. Super easy to get to on LaSalle. LaSalle and, uh, where are we at? Is this Grant? Wells. Wells. Yeah. No, this is Wells. But oh, Wells I'm is... sorry. Yeah, LaSalle and uh, Grant. Mm-hmm. Right off of Grant, sorry. And on a Monday night, you can park. Like, we're parked outside Geno's. Yeah. I love that. All right, so we talked about the fact that you grew up around these movies. What leads a now 50-year-old man to devote years of research and energy? What, what, what drives you? What makes you want to, or what made you want to collect all this information in one convenient book? Well, it started when I was a 25-year-old man. In 1994 That's when I first had the idea for this book. I, I grew up, I'm a huge fan of uh, movie compendiums from the uh, Leonard Walton TV movies mm-hmm. through um, the Danny Peary's cult movie books, which were hugely influential on me. Uh, Michael Weldon's Psychotronics. So any kind of book that reviews a whole bunch of movies, uh, and especially if, you know, there's like the Ebert books, which are great, but they're just general, but especially if they're focused. So uh, this is a genre that, as again, this, you know, my teen years were defined by these films. They were like made for me, and they were about teenagers very much unlike me because they seem to be enjoying themselves. <laughs> Hormonal teenagers. Yeah. Coming of age. I mean, that's yeah. the bottom line. And, you know, we'll bounce around, but Fast Times at Ridgemont High. We all came of age watching that movie, watching yeah. Phoebe Cates. Yeah. And that, that scene, that, that that masturbation scene. I mean, that is the Beatles on Ed Sullivan of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Adolescent <laughs> boners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Circa 1982 through probably all the way up to 1990. Yeah. Okay, so what is it beyond Phoebe Cates? What is it about that movie that makes it one of those indelible representations of teen movies? Well, it's because it's it's a, it's a much more serious actual movie than um, initially people thought it might be. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a real movie with a real story about real characters. Also, uh, very sympathetic to the female characters, much more so than, you know, Porky's or anything else, which is just about guys looking at naked girls. Um but however, it did, you know, it does have naked girls for you to look at. But uh, there's a richness to it. It's based on Cameron Crowe's nonfiction novel when he went undercover at age 22 and posed as a senior in a California high school for a year. The book is great. I've never read the it's book. It's very hard to find. It. He pulled it from the market. It costs $150 on Amazon. Nope. And <laughs> uh, the reason he pulled it from the market was... Um, Ratner, the character Rat in the movie, um, if who you remember was the nerdy guy who dates mm-hmm. Jason, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, the real life guy was terribly hurt when the book came out because Cameron Crowe had been his best friend. Got it. And suddenly, like everything it was, was a lie. betrayal. Yeah, it was a complete betrayal, and you know, and it was turned into this comic novel. <laughs> so uh, that guy, however, went on to invent the For Dummies book series. So he did okay. He's he can Things cry. Turn around. He can, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. can cry in his pile of cash and take comfort in that. Uh, I want to say hi to Pat, who's watching. Also Dana, who says, "Have fun, Dudorinos." That's us. Oh, uh, just that popping is us. by to say "Hola," which is Spanish for "hello." Uh, let's eat some, Thank let's you. some pizza. This is all right. This will be. This is going to be this a trip. This is one of those moments when I regret doing Facebook Live because. <laughs> Good I, Lord, I, now I, I, we're uh, in a Mazda three. Yeah. Actually, I want to thank the Audubon Mazda of Evanston who've been letting me drive their 
uh, new Mazda CX-9 or a new Mazda CX-9. I chose not to drive it today because I was afraid of exactly what we're about to I do. I was going to say, you, you would end up owning any car that right. they lent to you for this. So. Um, a lot I, of these movies hinge on like gross food scenes. So I Give me an like, example. Uh, Animal House with uh, Belushi. Uh, oh, sure, of course. Jello up as, and, uh, you know, creating the zit. Oh, uh, yeah. Spitting out the mashed potatoes, uh, which then, of course, leads to the food fight, which we will not recreate. Here. Uh-huh. So. Uh-oh. Uh, Abondanza 2. Uh-oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That is great. Mm-hmm. Mm, my heavens. It's the sausage. It's the. Yeah. It's the full patty sausage. Not, yeah. No, not that's, crumbled. Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Astounding. That, that is a beautiful thing. You know, I read somewhere someone said people in Chicago don't actually eat deep dish. Not true. No, I don't think that's true. I love deep dish pizza. I mean, I'm from Brooklyn, so I have, you know, my first love is my first love. Mm -hmm. But this has been a welcome addition to my culinary experience. My 16 years this week that I've been in Chicago. Still have a little East Coast accent. I do, yeah, yeah. That's never going away, is it? No. Uh, Did you dress like that on purpose? Yeah. This is... (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, the, the keyboard scarf is an homage... (laughs) <laughs> to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Robert Romanus as Mike Damone, the mm-hmm. scalper, wears the scarf. Um, and the gold satin jacket just sort of makes it... Yeah, it really brings it, it, just, it together. It evokes the era, I think so. Dennis Buckley says, don't stain those piano keys, Mike. I do my best. I love Dennis. Dennis is the... Yeah. Dennis is the greatest. Everyone knows Dennis Buckley. Yes, yes. All right, I'm dripping. I, you got to yeah. keep things level. Just yeah, okay. Approach try. It. Yeah. All right, so as good as Fast Times is, you have no love for Ferris Bueller, which is almost—it's yeah. almost like a sacred a sacred cow for Generation X, uh, particularly in Chicago. When I yes, oh for sure, and that I get. It's certainly the the uh, as a love letter to Chicago. It's certainly effective. As a uh, hateful depiction of humanity, it's worse. It's also very effective. <laughs> um, I just the character of Ferris repulsed me. <laughs> And I'll never forget, I went to see it in the middle of the day in Manhattan, like right after I graduated high school, I had a couple mm-hmm. of days, nothing to do, no summer job yet. went to see it, and I was sitting there, and like, I hated him so much. There's one point where he go, where he's complaining about his life, and he, uh, he has this computer. He goes, I wanted a car for my birthday. My parents got me a computer. And this was at a time when a computer cost as much as a car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, my, like, shaking my popcorn. I'm like, you brat! You spoiled squat. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and that carried on throughout the movie. Um, so I've always hated it. I was always a big loudmouth about hating it. Now, mm. unfortunately, for my own ego, it seems like the rest of the world has caught up. Does it? Because there are thousands of think pieces about Ferris Bueller's his white male privilege, mm. his classism, his all of which I agree with, but... I will say, so I was 17 years old at this time. I'm listening to uh, the Butthole Surfers, the Meat Men, Fear, mm-hmm. the most offensive punk rock bands. <laughs> I'm watching nothing but like Italian cannibal films. And <laughs> That's a pretty limited genre. I mean, you weren't that busy. Uh, I, I beg to differ. <laughs> well, I, I like Nazi exploitation movies, like Ilsa, <laughs> the Ilsa film. It's like, this was my entertainment. Uh, Sam Kinison I was obsessed mm-hmm. with. And... Uh, I was offended by Ferris Bueller and his day off. So. That's amazing. And, well, talking about how things have come around, in our now woke culture, that's what the kids say, mm-hmm. in our woke culture, a book like this seems almost 
dangerous to put out, a celebration of these movies. Yeah. In the modern era, where sen- sure. yeah. sensitivity is heightened, yeah. you're talking about TNA movies aimed at children. <laughs> yes. And in particular, male children, and in particular, in a very leering way, at the female character. That's it. I mean, this is like cover-to-cover yeah. exploitation yeah. examples. So, um, this occurred to me. The book was supposed to come out um, last year, and I had sent it into the publisher. We were getting ready to do the major edits. Right when the Harvey Weinstein scandal uh-huh. broke and the Me Too movement cropped up after that, and I said, oh boy, I'm in trouble. Uh-huh. And again, I had been working on this in one form or another for decades at this point. It almost came out in 1999 uh, under St. Martin's Press, but the division of, they're, they're, that division, they shut it down and it didn't happen. So I put it on the back burner. Um, I, be- I, I said, I can't do this. And I uh, called my publisher. I said, please... Kill the book. I'll give you back your uh, advance, whatever it is. So he said, no, I won't kill it, but I will put it in the deep freeze. And then Thanksgiving morning of uh, 20, it was 17? Yes. Um, something popped in my head and said, schmuck, you know all these brilliant female film writers. Why don't you have them contribute to the book? And I jumped up out of bed. I was wondering. And I did that, yeah. So give me an example. Like who are so Cat Ellinger, who writes for the British Film Institute, um, has published a number of books. Uh, has a couple of podcasts. One is called Hell's Bells. Mm-hmm. She is the publisher of Diabolique magazine in England. Uh, she lives in England. Um, I sh- had her write the intro called the. It's called the Ellinger Code, and it's a history of boundary pushing comedies from the silence on through the uh, the Hayes Production Code and. It puts comedy, offensive comedy, in a specific context, positively. So that was one. Um, Kayla Janice, who's a, a genius. And Kat, by the way, describes this genre of films as for outsiders. This is an outsider. That's what it is, yeah. And and it comes down to that. The, the tagline of Caddyshack is, says it all, it's the slobs against the snobs. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem with Ferris Bueller and John Hughes in general. Once those movies hit... The snobs won. Interesting. Because it was no longer about the weirdos, the geeks, the perverts. It was about the rich kids keeping those weirdos and geeks and perverts in their place. Can an argument be made, though, talking about how Fast Times was empowering in some ways to women, or it showed women? Very much, yeah. Didn't Hughes bring a lot of that, too? Um, He did. Yes, he absolutely did. He opened the genre up to to Mm -hmm. females. He also, I think, cynically softened the movies to PG-13, which was a new rating at that time. Mm-hmm. And then once they were PG-13, it kind of took the teeth out of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he is the Steven Spielberg of the genre, and I mean that in both an admirable way and, and every disparaging way in terms of infantilizing, dumbing it down, disnifying it. So, um, so you're talking about your guest authors. Yes. yes. And Katie Reif, who is uh, the senior film writer at the AV Club, mm-hmm. who I worked with in the past. She does a great piece on modern uh, films like Lady Bird that address, uh, that female makers are addressing coming of age, female sexuality mm-hmm. in brand new ways, but also being funny and daring and bold. So that was a couple of those. And uh, there's other great stuff in there. So. Oh, my wife did a couple of guest reviews too. Very nice. The great Rachel. I'll, I'll let you eat as I... All right. 
see the tricky thing about moving this pizza around we did get some slide uh-huh. oh, yeah. so yeah. half the ingredients in this piece slid off but I'm gonna I'm gonna as the host take responsibility and try to try to make reparations here uh, there are archety- much appreciative there are archetypes well it's easy when it's oh yeah there you go it's, it's amazing yeah. that I know there are archetypes in these movies and you oh. re- they're referenced throughout yeah. the book what are the key archetypes I mean I think I know what they are Nerd, jock, cheerleader, fascistic authority figure, uh-huh. usually a principal, Dean Wormer in Animal mm-hmm. House, mm-hmm. being the granddaddy, um, chronic masturbator. <laughs> um, is that really an archetype? Uh, it, Excuse me? It occurs in a number of films. Um, big fat party animal, yeah. really being the one. So uh, that defines these movies more. The nerd and the big fat party animal are really it. And then you know you're, the, and then the virgin, the lonely virgin. There's always sort of a nice guy hero, mm-hmm. snooty girl, girl who thinks yes. she's ugly because she wears glasses <laughs> until they take her glasses off. I want to talk about Rodney Dangerfield. Ah, because when we were kids, Back to School was one of those movies that we watched repeatedly. Oh yeah. And, like in the modern day, I can't be bothered to watch a movie that I've seen before. Like I want to always see stuff I haven't seen before. Sure. But back then, man. He was so funny, and I think time is kind of the dulled. funniest guy. Yeah, time has dulled those jokes because they've been repeated ad nauseum. We all know them, but that was laugh out loud stuff. They in that were movie. gut punches. They gut. were so funny. It was his delivery, the way he like he really looked like that character. Mm-hmm. Like life was destroying him with every breath. <laughs> and you're interesting. You bring him up because you know Caddyshack. Um, was originally just a teen movie. It focused mm-hmm. on the caddies entirely. And there were going to be some background, uh, you know, the, the other, the Judge Smales, was, everybody was there, but it was really about Danny Noonan and mm-hmm. the Italian kid, Danny Iannucci. Um, and Don Rickles was supposed to play um, uh, Al Cervic. And Rickles wasn't able to do it, so they brought in Rodney Dangerfield. Um, and he That just, would have been such a different movie. Yeah, yeah. Such yeah. a different movie. Different, completely different, and I love Rickles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love him. Um, but totally different energy. But he showed up and just took over. And everybody stopped what they were doing anytime, and they just let him improvise, too. Mm-hmm. Hal Ramis, first-time director, did not know what he was doing. So this force of nature showed up, and then it really became Rodney's movie. Mm-hmm. And then it was about the four old guys, you know, after that. So Easy money, underrated. A masterpiece. A masterpiece. It, it's. I mean, I really think that is one of the funniest movies and terribly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a great movie set on Staten Island. I grew up uh, in Brooklyn, so I'm very familiar with Staten Island, and um, just tremendously funny. And I wish pe- more people knew about it. Uh, Ronnie Dangerfield and Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, mm-hmm. nonstop. Tom Noonan is one of their pals. The big tall. The guy who was like the Grim Reaper in the Arnold Schwarzenegger, the last uh, action hero movie, and mm-hmm. um, just hilariously funny. I want to say again, thanks to Gino's East. This pizza this is delicious. I know. You know what it is? Like, it's sweet. Yes, very much. The yeah. sauce it has a sweetness to it. The crust is delicious, and really that that, that round of sausage is what makes it's it wild. The oh. round, flat sausage. Yeah. Mm. It's so good, and I like it so much. I'm going to wear it home. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I, no need to bag it up. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm wearing this home. Sausage. Uh, we were talking as we were waiting for our food 
I don't think I realized until I read your book, Teen Movie Help, available right now, um, I don't think I realized there were four Revenge of the Nerds movies. I think most of us stopped after one or two. Yeah, I, I punched out after one because the second one was rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the next two were uh, Fox TV movies, the sequels, Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, so they never made it to... No, no, okay. they didn't play theaters. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Edwards punched out. He does a cameo in Revenge of the Nerds too, but at that point he had ER, so he was. Yeah, he was. Cyanar. He was pretty good. Yeah. Tell me about the Breakfast Club. That it's considered another sacred cow. It's it's yeah. I mean, it got a Criterion uh, collection release a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it, <laughs> another movie that kind of offended me, <laughs> but I I understand why people love it, and I do think there are moving moments in it, particularly. Mm-hmm. Anthony Michael Hall's performance, I think, is very believable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I think Judd Nelson does a good job. I think the character is so insulting because I always felt like, well, here's like this, you know, the, the guy, the rich kid from the suburbs, John Hughes, and he creates this uh, this noble savage, working class anti-hero that's going to come in and expose everybody. That's like, oh, get over yourself, please. I grew up with meatheads like Bender. They're worse idiots than the rich kids, and I couldn't stand them either. So. I remember as a kid, my biggest problem with the movie, Molly Ringwald was set up to be the hot girl. Right. I thought Ali Sheedy was way hot. Uh, she's a very beautiful... And of course, the, and something else I reacted to is, you know, it's always about like this... Again, it's the snobs against the slobs. Mm-hmm. How do they liber- How is she liberated at the end? Molly Ringwald puts lipstick on her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is infuriating. Because <laughs> she was an interesting, weird chick. Mm-hmm. And the way they say to be happy is to be as much like the uninteresting, dull, normal people around you. What was the heyday for these teen movies? Uh, it, it's long past us. Oh. I would, so, really, I mean, it comes out 82 to 86. It really is like Porky's, which was May 19, uh, March 82. This is an annoying bit of trivia for you. Porky's is listed on IMDb as 1981 because they ran one test screening in November 81. It officially came out nationwide in March 82. But because it's on IMDb as 81, I have to list it as 81, knowing it's incorrect. That's bullshit. Yes, it really is. It's like a full mouth. So, uh, but Porky's came out of nowhere. Massive hit, monster hit. Mm -hmm. And then really, I think, um, you know, it kind of, it wraps up with Ferris Bueller and and what did this in more than anything, PG-13 was one element, but it was the availability of hardcore pornography to teenage boys because of home video. Was it? I don't remember that. Yeah. By, by the, the second half of the 80s, it was very easy to get porno tapes if you were in high school because you could dub them, you could trade them. It was, they were ubiquitous. Okay. It wasn't like at the beginning, like 82... They cost a hundred dollars, and you had to. It was very. Well, and, and back them, in those days, yeah. there, there'd be like closed circuit TV you could right. subscribe to, right. and you'd try to watch. Oh, the wobble! Would, the, yes, uh-huh. yeah. Try to scientifically find the right coordinate. <laughs> yeah, to get that. Exactly. So right, I'm going to stop the Facebook Live in a second for no other reason than I want you to be able to eat and not be self conscious oh, about it. Right. But the podcast will continue. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, Carney is presented by the Audubon Mazda of Evanston, 1015 Chicago Avenue. I want to thank Pat and Angelique, who just chimed in. Uh, Angelique says the best deep dish, hands down. It's so good, Angelique. Yeah. Uh, Pat did have a question. This movie kind of falls outside what we're talking about, doesn't it? I don't, yeah. It's not in your book, The Outsiders. No. Related, but not a comedy. Uh, right. These are comedies. These are sex romps. Yeah. Sex romps. So we're going to talk more about sex romps. Uh, we're going to talk about things like stewardess school coming up. <laughs> Because with Don Most, Don, right? Exactly. You may remember as Ralph Melf yeah. from Happy Days. All right. Thank you for watching on Facebook Live. I'm, I'm covered in tomato sauce, <laughs> which I mean, there are worse things to be covered in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for watching. Uh, listen for the whole podcast on CarcoonCarney.com. That right there. That's Mike McBeardo McPadden. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to try to stop this. Here I go. Yeah, I realized I didn't want to eat any more. <laughs> while on camera because there was just no dignified way to do it <laughs> very much in keeping with the book though very, very much all right so let, let's let's keep talking sure. so the peak was what did you say 82 to 86 yeah so with with 84 really kind of serving as the peak are any of these being made now maybe one or two a year like every now and then i'll see like a red band tra red band trailer for something along these yeah, lines yeah um you know there was last year there was the movie blockers Right. Which was an interesting twist on it because it focused on the parents of the teen girls. Right. Behaving badly. Um, I'm going to let you take both those, by the way. Oh, I'll have one. That's good. Thank good, you. Luck, good luck separating them. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Method to that man. Okay. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there certainly are. There was the big revival in the late 90s, which actually started with Varsity Blues and then peaked with American Pie, which is like the 21st century porkies. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of movies, but a lot of them were PG-13. A lot of them were rom-coms. And some of them were very good, are very good teen movies. Uh, She's All That, Ten Things I Hate. They're, they're cute mm -hmm. teen movies. Um, probably up till Mean Girls and whatever that was, 94, 95, uh, 2004. Forgot about that. 2005. Mm -hmm. um, and then they sort of went by the wayside. But a lot of stuff, if these movies are being made in any form now, I don't believe they are, it's so below the radar. Right. So far from even, like, red box releases that... I don't even know. One of my favorite movies from that era in the 80s, and I, th I got the sense reading your book, you liked it too, is The Sure Thing. That's a great movie, yeah. It's a semi, you know, it's a homage, semi-remake of It Happened One Night with mm -hmm. uh, Claudette Colbert and Clark Gable. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, John Cusack and Daphne Zuniga, college students who don't like each other, forced to travel cross-country. Mm-hmm. She's going to meet her dull boy, her dull fiance. He's going to meet Nicolette Sheridan as the hot chick who is mm -hmm. the sure thing. Mm -hmm. And naturally, along the line, along the way, they fall in love. But right. very funny, very full of surprises, and inventive and, and sweet all the way. Going back to this idea of porno movies watered down for thirteen-year-olds. Let's go through some titles here. Movies right. that I didn't watch, but you nobly watched. <laughs> okay. uh, because you didn't want the rest of us to have to watch them. She's 19 and ready. That's a real movie title. Yeah, yeah, that was that's that's a really lousy European softcore film. That, that couldn't be remade today. No, no, no. Okay, so <laughs> uh, the question people say to me, could any of these movies be made today that are in the book? And the short answer is no. The long answer is fuck no. <laughs> not one. There's not one you could remake without courting the wrath of Twitter. Not even Gimme an F? Gimme an F is a film I hate. <laughs> I'll tell you why. 
It's the greatest title for a teen sex comedy of all time. Of all time. Said at a cheerleader camp, there is no sex or nudity in the film. So it does not function. And it's rated R. Does not function as advertised. No, no. The exact opposite, James. Stewardess School? I would watch that today. That is a hilarious film with uh, Don Most. I always Mm -hmm. liked that he was Don. Now he's, I believe he's Donald. Mm -hmm. But he was Donnie Most when he was Ralph Mouth on Happy Days. And that is actually a bachelor party knockoff Mm. slash police academy. So 84, so then you had, in 84 at the peak, there were teen sex comedies with adults in them, but they were acting like teenagers. Police Academy being mm-hmm. the archetype, and uh, Bachelor Party being the other really extreme archetype. And uh, that they generated their own whole subgenre of movies like that. Um, Moving Violations was about traffic school. Mm-hmm. Um, Weekend Warriors was about ROTC guys partying. And uh, Stewardess School was Donnie Most was sort of the Tom Hanks, uh, who, who Tom Hanks' own character in Bachelor Party is sort of a Bill Murray character. So totally. you keep keep going down, down, down. You get to Don Most, but it's actually a really funny movie. And uh, Wendy, speaking of Tom Hanks, Wendy Jo Sperber mm-hmm. uh, from Bosom Buddies, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, she's in it, and they're just a bunch of wacky people trying to learn how to be flight attendants. Speaking of Bill Murray, Meatballs was one of the first ones I saw. Yeah, for sure. Does that still hold up? Meatballs is a fun movie. Murray is amazing. I mean, it's the moment where he become became Bill Murray. 100%. Yeah. Even if you were very familiar with him from Saturday Night Live and the National Lampoon Records and Radio Hour, mm-hmm. this is where Bill Murray, as we know him now, is born before your eyes. How about the Kinky Coaches and the Pom Pom Pussycats? Another terrible film <laughs> with a great title, an amazing t- uh-huh. cast. Um, it's <laughs> Robert Foster is one of the football coaches, you know, from Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. Great, mm-hmm. sort of once leading man, nicely aged character actor. Um, his rival is John Vernon, aka Dean Warmer mm-hmm. from Animal House. And as a reporter covering the big game, Norman Fell. Oh my keeps God. annoying the two. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, not not a good movie, but the cast alone makes it worth watching. Phoebe Cates aside, who was the hottest? Oh, that's a, actress from that period. That's so funny. I I like an actress named Corinne Borer, who was in. Uh, she played a Valley Girl in a lot of movies. Not Valley Girl though, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, and she never did a nude scene until 1988, in the, the HBO golf movie Dead Solid Perfect with the. Uh, Randy Quaid. But she was in like Surf 2 Zapped, which is a film I love. Um, and The Beach Girls and did not kept that bikini on, but she's very lovely. Mm-hmm. How much research did you have to do? I know you've seen all these movies. Yeah. How much oh, time did considerable. You... I, wor- I worked on this for three years. How happy was your wife that you were doing this? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Rachel is a, uh, a funny lady and uh, we have similar tastes and. Uh, you know, did she, she was watch, cool. Did she... she watched a lot of them with me, and especially like the wild stuff that I discovered. Mm-hmm. We watched some of those together, and it was really it was it was a great bonding experience for my or any marriage. So, oh. <laughs> All right. So the book, teen movie. I'm holding it up like we're still on camera. Yeah, please, uh, a crucible of coming of age comedies from Animal House to the aforementioned Zapped. 
I'm just going to do what I would do if I were in the restroom, having some quiet time. I'm going to grab a couple more movie titles and let you riff before I send you on your way. By the way, there are some good keywords that you can rely on here. High, summer, spring. Camp. School. Yeah. Six Swedes on a Campus. Oh, that's a fun movie. Uh, that's also a European softcore film. Um, followed by the sequel, Six Swedes on a Gas Pump. You're making that up. I'm not. <laughs> I get reviewed in there. <laughs> it's also, oh, but it's better known as High Test Girls in the United States. Oh. And then there's Snowballing. That, which... That's a film I hate. Again, the second greatest title in teen sex comedy. <laughs> right? It's like PG. It's, 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 like, it's like a Christian film. I was oh. like, what's going on here? That is about as vulgar a name oh. as you can come up with in this book. Watch your college kids go to a ski lodge. Snowballing. No sex. That That's just wrong. Uh, Up the Creek, I remember that one. Yeah, good movie. Uh, this one features a big fat party animal, a nerd. Yeah. Sorority, of course, that's a major... Major, yeah, the fraternity sorority. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, Up the Creek was sort of the calculated when you're talking about 84 being the peak year this was like we were going to try to build the perfect teen sex comedy so the hero is tim matheson who was otter in animal house yeah oh yeah uh the big fat party animal is stephen first who was flounder in animal house and their pal is dan monahan who was peewee the hero of porkies and they go on a whitewater rafting competition yep intercollegiate uh all right mr east coast rock and roll high school oh i mean you know one of the greatest Things that ever happened in front of a movie camera. The, the Ramones, PJ yeah. Souls, who I fell in love with movie after movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one was the, my, my first love. Riff affair Randall, yeah. Uh-huh. But it, that was really cemented in stripes. Yeah, I get that. Uh-huh. She got the Aunt Jemima treatment. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I go in the book. The the other the original bands that got were offered the film before the Ramones. It started life as Disco High. Oh no. And then Alan Arkish, the director, and Joe Dante, um, the co-writer, um, were rock and roll fans. They didn't want to do a disco movie. And so they pitched it. And originally they pitched it to Todd Rundgren. No! Who wanted to do it, but he wanted it to be a drama. He wanted it to be about a teen rebellion, but for real. But he, the, the kids would worship Todd Rundgren. Um, then they offered it to Van Halen. Warner Brothers Records said, no, you can't control them. They won't, they won't behave on a movie set. That sounds right. And then Cheap Trick almost got the job. But they they just as they were signing on the dotted line, Live at Budokan came out, and then they were the biggest Yeah, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with your movie. So that was it. So, And then Devo was the backup band if the Ramones couldn't do it. Okay. They're weird and quirky enough that... I think any... I mean, I'd love to live in a multiverse where I could see all of those movies. Yes. All of those rock and roll high schools. You could walk through the wormhole and suddenly yeah. there, there's Devo doing Through Being Cool. Yeah. Which was in what, Revenge of the Nerds, maybe? Yeah. It all comes full yes. circle here? It does, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, and it's worth mentioning, a lot of these soundtracks are kind of awesome. Very much, yeah. There is a teen music hell playlist in the back mm-hmm. that I... Uh, you know, I kind of... I understand people like Don't You Forget About Me and Old Time Rock and Roll. Like, I dig a little deeper. Yeah, no, you, you go super deep on yeah. this. Uh, there's Cheap Trick with Spring Break from Spring Break. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and you are, yeah, you really, you're not messing around with the deep cuts. Uh, Vixen Computer Madness from Hard Bodies. Yeah. Good luck finding that one. <laughs> Look on YouTube, it's there. Okay. 
Fair yeah. enough. Uh, Josie Cotton, this is a little more conventional. Yeah. Valley Girl was a big movie for a lot of us. Huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to be showing that at a screening in Philadelphia on oh. uh, July 27th. Uh, and Valley Girl has an v- enormously influential and popular soundtrack that they did not get out on, uh, it wasn't even vinyl at that point. It was not released until 1994. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's since become a huge, like a, you know, a billion times platinum, and they did a sequel, more music from Valley Girl. But the big songs in that are... Um, Plimsolls. The Plimsolls, Million Miles Away, and I'll me- I Melt With You by Mom. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, what of Nick Cage's finer moments? I would agree completely, yeah. Very likable in that role, yeah. And, of course, uh, this is quintessential moment from a quintessential coming-of-age movie, Tangerine Dream and Risky Business. Yeah, Love on a Real Train. In at, Chicago. Uh, yeah. Risky Business is... Um, a fascinating film because it's really, I mean, I, I threw the word masterpiece around with easy money, mm-hmm. but Risky Business is an extremely powerful and well-made film that had it come out five years earlier would be talked about in the same breath with The Graduate rather than Porky's. Right. It just got swept up in that scene. Right. But it's a very serious um, kind of literary movie about, um, you know, these two characters, Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay with completely different lives um, who are at a weird crossroads mm-hmm. where they come into one another. So. Well, and that, that's the movie that inspired me to run a brothel. Yeah, I, well, that's good. Yeah, so we'll be driving there after this, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Work off some of this pizza. Yeah, no, I, I got you some tokens. You're good. Yeah. All right, so Mike McBeardo McPadden, the movie, or the movie. The book is Teen Movie Hell, another fine compendium uh, of movie knowledge from you. I mean, you go deep on this stuff. You, Anyone reading this walks away an expert on coming-of-age Cinema. I would hope so, yeah. There's nothing left, right? You didn't leave any movies out. Uh, you know, I did. <laughs> and I haven't been told what they are yet, but people on the internet will let me know. Yes, I should. Yeah. yeah. Always assume. Yes, I know. And I, and I got stuff wrong, and I'm way off base on some things. I just don't know what it is yet. Of course. I will be informed. All right, so this is on Amazon, in yeah. bookstores. Uh, I love this. I love your writing. I mean, thank you. You you write. It's it's the the slobs versus the snobs. You represent us, the slobs. Yes, very much. Particularly this moment. This moment. Well, I'm Gino's East. Look at all the red on yeah, my coat. Yeah, it, it looks like someone I'll be gouged my heart. Taking my keyboard scarf to the dry cleaner uh-huh. on the way home. So. Uh, so thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. This was delicious and very fun. Love your book. Highly recommend Thank you so it. much. Love this pizza. Thank you to Gino's East. Oh thank my you. God. Uh, you, you can take the remaining pieces of keepsake souvenir of your I'll take it. Thanks. I, I won't say no. It, it's just easier. I, I, yeah. I secretly want it. Just It's easier right. if I give it to you. Uh, <laughs> I also want to thank the Autobarn Mazda of Evanston for lovingly presenting Carcon Carnate week after week. Uh, if you like what you heard, if you like Mike McBeardo McPadden, and who wouldn't? You'd have to be a robot not to. Please <laughs> tell a friend about this podcast, carconcarnate.com. Thank you for listening.